and welcome to the podcast. All right, we are in person once again. We are in the studio. Uh, we have Mr. Dan Featherly, our co-host here today. How's it going, Dan? Hey, Paul. Doing well. Excited to talk risk management with EPA. All right. And speaking of EPA, we got two folks here from EPA. Um, we have Nikki, we have Brad. So maybe, uh, Brad, you want to say hello first? Hi, everyone. Brad Grams. I'm the acting director in our planning division. And I am Nikki Wood. I am the branch chief in, I'm going to say this slowly, management, integrity, and accountability branch in our CFO. That's office. a mouthful. It is. Yeah. That's why I said I will say it slowly. It was more for me not to get tongue-twined yeah. than you all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, and, and really, really glad to be here. Great. Yeah, you've defined your acronym. We can now go with the acronym now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's kick it off here. So we, we haven't had EPA on here before, so I'm excited to have oh, you all nice. here. Um, and we kind of just wanted to dive in, you know, what's, what's different about your program? How's it going? You know, how's it organized? Um, so, and the fact that you're both here is a unique piece about it, I think. So why don't we just start with that? Maybe Nikki want to tell us about, I mean, how is ERM's program, ERM program organized, at least the piece that you support? Yeah, so it's it's really interesting, um, and I won't say this is unique to the federal government, but just for EPA, we have our Enterprise Risk Management Office, which is really Brad's side, um, that he'll speak to. And mm -hmm. then from my side, it's the program integrity piece. So we are internal controls, we're payment integrity, fraud risk management, and just risk management from looking at it from the bottom up where Brad will speak to more of the top down mm -hmm. from the enterprise side. So that's just a, a snippet of, of how our you know offices are different, what my office does. And I also have audit oversight. So we just kind of leverage all of this information and feed it over and assist Brad on the enterprise mm -hmm. side. So you do the internal control assessments, audit liaison kind of stuff. You said specific kind of risk assessments too. Yeah, we, yeah. we do the risk assessments. So there's the enterprise risk assessment, which is really towards, you know, how these risks link to strategic goals and objectives, agency mission. But then my office also goes in and said, let's just do a general risk assessment. Mm -hmm. So when we have new programs with significant funding, we'll come in and just the what keeps you up at night mm -hmm. and start there. Eventually that'll feed into the enterprise risk side. Um, so it's, it's really that step back from the technical terms and just what are you worried about, you know, from a general risk management side and, and using that to determine like planning, mm -hmm. what internal control reviews are we going to do? What should you do? Um, what should you focus on and prioritize first? Awesome. And, how, and Brad, how about you guys? Yeah. Yeah. So like in our case, our division holds the enterprise risk management side of the coin, if you will. But um, we build on what Nikki's group has in the program risk assessment side, program risk management side. Uh, and then we take in our strategic planning work and our risk assessment identifications for the risk to strategic objectives. We have cross-agency strategies as well. Uh, and then risk to goals and mission across the agency. Uh, and like Nikki mentioned, it's it's kind of top down. We talk about what keeps you up at night, but from a strategic objective perspective, what's holding you back on your long term performance goals, your annual performance goals, and then where Nikki's group is linked more to the audit side, our team is focused more on budget formulation, strategic mm. planning, linking this material and our strategic review material together to inform risks to the enterprise and risks to our higher level objectives and strategies. Okay, and you're both. Is are you technically under the CFO 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So are you both? Are you looking at it from an operational perspective, a financial perspective? Both. Both. That's fantastic. Well, that that'll get to our challenges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's really both. I, I mean, ideally, it's not just where could there be a misuse of funds or the money's not spent appropriately or, you know, according to appropriation law. It's also, um, you know, the water testing results, right? Like, was this done properly? Um, were they trained on how to properly take samples and, and things like that, which is more on the operational mission side. Right. So it's both. That sounds familiar. We talked to uh, Arizona Phoenix, Phoenix yesterday yep. and their county or city ERM program, mm-hmm. and they're just focused on water services. Yeah. It's like the most important, one of the most important things. Because think about it, Phoenix, oh, yeah. place like that, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and it, of course, it ties into money, but it's operations, it's the mission, it's everything. But, but yeah. So, I mean, it really else is kind of both. It's everything. Yeah. It's it's forcing folks to think mission and money. Yeah. Yeah. How you know? how long has your program been in place? Like. With ERM, twenty seventeen, yeah, right yeah. after the release of the sure. twenty three update. Yeah. So you know, obviously, so the two of you have some risk management roles, a little different. I'm sure complementary, collaborative. Hopefully, you guys work together. All that good stuff. Oh yeah, yes. oh yeah, a <laughs> lot, yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> so you know, maybe for Brad, as far as what what does leadership do with all this info that you gather? Like, are you guys really using this for budgeting, strategy, and stuff like that? What what is, what is the the feedback from leadership? No, that's a great question. All of the above. Mm-hmm. And to your question earlier, it is financial, it's operational, it's compliance too. Um, you know, every office uses a different, a little bit differently. You know, we have assistant administrators. Each one has a priority. Mm-hmm. What their strategic objectives are looking for may identify certain risks that others may miss. So one one interesting thing about EPA's strategic plan is there are seven goals. There's four cross agency strategies. There's a lot of linkages, but there's a lot of unique things that, because of their uniqueness, lead to siloing. So many times, Nikki sees risks in ways we don't, mm, mm-hmm. because you'll see that program risk come up, and you'll see a risk to a strategic objective identified in a top down meeting, and you have to kind of work to link together. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's critical for Nikki and I to work together, because if we didn't, we would miss out on things senior leaders miss and high level objectives discussions, and things that line staff or managers miss in their program risk. And just side note, I love when somebody's like, we have seven of these and four of those. Like, that guy works in budget or planning or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Performance. <laughs> you know them all. All the cross-cuttings and all that. I love that. Um, and then, Nikki, kind of same question for you. But, you know, how, what is the information you gather? How does that receive by leadership? How do you? Yeah. So for us, it's it's really on <laughs> – and it's such a broad question. <laughs> so Brad and I are hey, laughing. Sure. So <laughs> for us, and, and here's going to get to your technical side, 600 risks. What mm. do we do with them? Mm. I mean, that's great that we have our three, you know, enterprise risks, but what do we do with the rest of them? Um, So this is where we come in more in that slightly siloed programmatic perspective of each kind of the goal and what we're working on is each office having their own quasi in quotes, air quotes, enterprise risk. Mm. And then we look at those and then we do the analysis of like, what are the themes? And then we pull in the improper payments and we pull in the audit findings. Are there similar themes? hey, before your next risk assessment, here's what you should be thinking about based upon what else is going on in these areas for your program or office, but then also, um, you know, the FEMFIA process, Mm -hmm. right? Helping them determine what should you be testing, what should you be discussing in your assurance package when you say that my controls are effective and they're they're working um, from the financial side, but also from the operational side. So, 
it, it's a it's an ongoing process for us where you know we get these updates and then each quarter we brief out to the deputy administrator on what the efforts are in this, providing guidance, saying, hey, here's what rose to the top. Um, so, you know, I wish there were one straight answer of we mm. do ABC, but we do so much with it because there's a lot of different buckets that have to all do analysis, see how they connect, leverage that information, and then roll it up um, to, yeah. you know, leadership in that way. One follow-up on that. So you guys do some accountability briefings, I understand. Yes. Tell us about that. So those are the um, quarterly briefings I was mentioning. Okay. Yeah. They're okay. the program accountability. They give updates on the enterprise risk and efforts, um, even though there are separate discussions that leadership has for decisions on those. But then it also speaks to what are what's going on in the internal control world. You know what what's going on with improper payments. If there's a new program like Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund, is a new program for EPA, a whole new business functional area. So, you know, maybe that program will come in mm-hmm. and in those areas of program integrity speak to what they're doing, you know, any challenges they're having. So it's really an opportunity to have that very high level leadership tone from the top of, hey, here's what we're focusing on and have in that moment say, OK, yes, I agree with the direction of how we're going to address them. Or, you know what, maybe this is not a priority anymore from their lens. Let's shift that down and focus on something else. Right. So it, it just helps. We feed the information, and it helps the tone from the top. Right. Yeah, yeah, and we have the same on the quarterly performance side. So we have quarterly performance reviews with the deputy sure. administrator as well. And then each office has their own monthly business reviews. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes they may be looking at these risks completely different ways. Yeah. Um, and so we try to leverage as many of these dialogues as we can in helping them edify and improve how they're you know managing their risks, what they're going to assess next, if they're missing risks. Mm-hmm. So could you give me a few examples of some of the challenges you guys have faced with your ERM program, some of the ones you've overcome, and then maybe some that you're currently facing now? Yeah, I would say one challenge we had initially is, you know, making sure that we get the best quality of data, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. right? Because when you're doing these risk assessments, there's a lot of terminology that's very technical, like what's your control activity, you know, Things like that or understanding how to categorize your risk. Is it budget? Is it compliance? Is it, you know, can you prevent it? Can you accept it? And so there was this educational push Mm -hmm. that we had to do, which is part of the overcoming, like developing guidance, having training sessions, bringing parties that don't normally talk Mm -hmm. together because they both own these risks and the management of them, but they, they don't talk. They never talk to each other. Well, that's something I've heard, you know, early days of our podcast. I mean, a lot of folks talk about we need a common taxonomy or lexicon glossary because folks don't understand what these words mean. And just to educate them yeah. was one of the most, it seems simple, but that's like one of the most important first things you have to do, right? Well, it's Absolutely. like in DOD you know, where there's uh, an acronym that means five different things. And acronyms that have <laughs> acronyms inside yeah. of them. That's my favorite. Exactly. <laughs> nice. So calm. Or whatever. Well, that's yeah. simple. Oh, that's the easy one, yeah. But yeah, that's hilarious. Um Okay, yeah, what else? What are the challenges you guys see? Oh, man, well, building on what Nikki just mentioned, I think um, one struggle we have is human capital generally, which is coming up in every agency in different ways. But even when you have regular guidance and training, you're going to have a lot of turnover. And one thing all of our agencies are facing is high turnover rates. Sometimes your risk people are leaving, so you've got to keep the collaboration that you have going. So Nikki and I have to do that every day. But then at the same time, you have to keep collaboration up in all of your 
sub offices, under secretary shops. Mm. And it's it's very work intensive. And it's something we've been really working on doing with like regular trainings, quarterly updates. But like I think in this time of human capital challenges, it's even more important to stay up to date like as much as you can. Okay, that's great. No, that's great. So let me ask you, is there any challenges you faced where you did something, but in 2020 hindsight, you wish you had done something differently? I'm going to say yes. So when we really started pushing the program integrity side of this, this was the IJA funding, Mm -hmm. right? For EPA, that was a huge increase in the amount of funds that we received. So we pushed guidance for IJA. We pushed having something beyond Excel for IJA. So there's, it's, yeah, we'll have it for the hill. We'll call it a tool, but <laughs> had we had the foresight of needing to do this for everything at the time, mm-hmm. I think we, we could have expanded upon it so that it's not just IJA. So right now we have two separate tracking mechanisms for IJA and IRA. Use one, I'll say, for comparison to Excel, prettier. You know, it's it's more visually friendly mm-hmm. um, kind of database tool to capture that information. It'll summarize it. It'll do some preliminary analysis. Um, but then there's Excel for some of our, you know, core annual appropriation works and so forth. So I think if we would have had the foresight of where this was eventually going to go initially, then maybe we could have planned to make it broader of what we were doing for IJ at the time. Sure. That's great. Yeah. So what's next? What's next for the year-end program? Oh, a tool <laughs> on my side. Yeah, yeah <laughs> a tool. True. Yeah, yeah. Just to, to capture it because the tool um, will capture, you know, the A123 reviews and results. It'll link those to any audit findings or corrective actions that has an internal control implication in it. Um, you know, any deficiencies, weaknesses, capturing all 600 of the risks and mm. was it reviewed and status doing some analysis and then also having the enterprise component in it as well. Yeah, we're really working in tandem to make sure our policy updates mm-hmm. mirror the systems that they're they're in sync with one another. And, you know, and, and adding to what Nikki mentioned on the challenge of just, you know, the supplemental legislation we've had, which has been extensive versus our annual appropriations. On top of that, it's highlighted another challenge Nikki's and my teams are having, which is priorities change. Sure. A lot of times senior leaders lose track of risks that are maybe medium or small, but like because of all these priorities, they get distracted, and so those risks actually increase in score. And like having people rethink how they've scored their risks, how they prioritize them, yeah. and leveraging any tool we have with our policy so that that's all happening both in, in person and with interactions, but also in systems that we use. Yeah, that that's a, a great point, and it also speaks to the challenge, especially in the federal government. You have to remember that what you develop – or your enterprise risk program can change, right, with the dynamics of leadership changes. So you have to have a program Changes that, every four or eight years. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so you, you have to have a program that's adaptable, right? So you keep the core components of what you need to really comply, um, but adapts to leadership. So for us, what that's another thing that's next is just kind of standardizing mm-hmm. where what the CFO's office mm-hmm. is doing, being kind of like the gold star, child for managing our risk that now all of the other agency offices um, can do as well. So aside from the tool, it's just really implementing this risk management culture um, that includes like, is this an enterprise risk, you know, fraud awareness in our daily processes. So getting 
all the way through all what fourteen thousand stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah. employee, you know, shoot big. <laughs> you know, go hard or go home. Shoot big. Um, but really implementing this this risk management culture in the agency is, is the goal. That's the end goal. Well, they're doing it. They just don't yeah. realize they're doing it. Probably right. right. And, yeah. Exactly. And I'm glad you brought up that four or eight years dynamic with the strategic plan because you know the one thing that Nikki has uh, like an advantage we don't have is the Thank program you, risk assessments are permanent like yeah. i mean the program continues unless it's canceled right. by congress mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, well strategic plans change so our strategic objectives change and sometimes reminding people that our risks to the risk to objectives even though there's a reset with that new strategic plan those enterprise risks are probably somewhat consistent yeah. the risk to the objectives will change based on our new objectives but like at the same time there, there's a permanence to those too that we need to be cognizant of and we also have to work on retiring risks a lot better than mm-hmm. we have just because we've lowered it to low doesn't mean it's gone. You want it off your register. Yeah. <laughs> well, can it ever really leave? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like yeah. Cybersecurity, that never leaves. Exactly. No, no. <laughs> so just a few little follow-up questions for you here, but uh, I didn't mention the word CRO in here. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, are you two kind of de facto the leaders in ERM, or wh- how does or does CFO wear multiple hats in that category, or do you have yeah. – so, so we don't have a – by title designated in our HR system, a CRO, right? I think that, you know, Brad and I kind of tag team to fill the duties, but we have, um, you know, our CFO is is in our deputy administrator are really kind of the decision makers Mm -hmm. from the risk. There's, you know, the the executive management council, they discuss, you know, the enterprise risk and so forth. So, but I think this is part of what another in the future, like what we're looking forward to is just kind of building that out more. So, no, there's no um, dedicated titled CRO, but for right now, the de facto, I guess, would be our CFO, of course. Right. And, you know, things like risk appetite statements and things, have you guys dabbled with that? <laughs> we have. Um, bits and pieces. Um, and what's interesting is we face a lot of the challenges academic institutions face. You know, we're a regulatory agency, but we're also a STEM agency. Mm-hmm. And so risk appetites really vary from office to office. Some yeah. are very open about it. Others, you know, see everything as a compliance risk, even though it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and something you mentioned earlier was, um, you know, financial versus non-financial. Yeah. Um, a lot think this is all financial because they're coming in a STEM space and they're like, this mm-hmm. is all accounting speak to me. Yeah. So you have to get them out of that and thinking more holistically about the risks they have. Water, air, mm-hmm. land risks, and thinking – Applying their STEM knowledge in the space. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, I think uh, the other thing, too, is, like, can you explain a little bit about EPAs, how it's organized? I mean, is it kind of like NIH or these places, they all have their own little institutes or divisions <laughs> like that? I mean, how, how are you all organized? Like, Well, we're organized, like, we have two layers, essentially. There are the assistant administrators, which are, like, the undersecretary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are our headquarters offices, which we call national program managers. Different Different agencies call them different. And then there are regional or field offices. Okay. Ten. Okay. And they implement the policies of our headquarters offices. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's still kind of a common, is it like a controlled out of headquarters type organization or do the regions have their own kind of, you know, way? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's difficult to answer that because yeah. the regions implement policies of effectively 12, depending on how you count national program managers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they have to balance the interests of those different offices alongside yeah. the deputy administrator and administrator's goals. And this is where the link, the risk to strategic objectives mm-hmm. and strategies come in because they're yeah. balancing all that at yeah. once. In fact, 
our regional and field offices are some of the best places to find our enterprise risks. Mm-hmm. Sure. They see yeah. everyone from an implementation perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, the, all these federal agencies, it's just a, such a big challenge because you are spread all over the place and different yeah. folks lead yeah. different things. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you don't, in a way, though, you, you really want to focus. It's ERM, but it's almost, how do you break that down even further to ERM for smaller chunks? You know, like, I mean, you can't do ERM for HHS. It's like each division, you know, oh, NIH, yeah. FDA. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be yeah. broken down to the right level. And I know US, USAID, they, they have that challenge as well where each of them have their, you know, their, their separate kind of offices or branches have their enterprise risk. Yeah. But it's still managed, you know, out of their um, kind of headquarters. Like the headquarters, office. yeah. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they have that challenge as well. Not that the EPA challenge is definitely not as, yeah. as significant um, as yeah. important, but not like aid because they're all over the all world. All over the world, right. right. So it, it makes it a little, I won't say easier, uh, but just different. Different. Well, anything else about your program you wanted to share? And then I have one last question for Nikki here. No, I, I guess as far as, you know, enterprise risk management is concerned, I would say just, you know, if I, if we could look back, let's say, two, three years ago, it's just really understanding the, the importance of leveraging information all throughout the agency. Like Brad said, mm-hmm. the regions have a completely different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think it's understanding that, you know, whether it's top down, bottom up, there's going to be different lens. And so you have to make sure in that role of risk management, enterprise risk management role, that you're really looking at everything. So that that would be another challenge. So trying to determine what mm-hmm. what's the best way to kind of see all the flags in mm-hmm. each of these areas from everyone's lens because it's important. Right. right? Yeah. And having them actually play enterprise, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretend yeah. you are the enterprise. Yeah. Don't just tell us your functions, but, like, pretend you're all of EPA for a minute. Pretend yeah. you're yeah. regional. Nice. How do you see those risks? Right, right. All right. Well, I did want to talk to you, Nikki, about uh, I understand you're a recipient of a scholarship. Yay. Tell, us, tell us about that. <laughs> so uh, it's it's been awesome. I, I you know, have truly enjoyed this program. Um, I know it's, it's run by George Mason, um, and it's virtual the majority of the time. There's been... I want to say a total of maybe six days that we're in person. So we actually get to go and be around everybody and have live instructions just like we're back in school. Do you guys have to have your videos on during the we classes? We do. We uh, have to have make our sure videos you're there on. In and, and you know what? The the funny part is um, one of our instructors for, for this week um, is based in Ireland. So it was midnight. Oh, wow. It was midnight. Okay. Yeah. And you know what? I, I appreciate the commitment to us. <laughs> um, but the program has been great. It's really been helpful. One just talking to some of the other um, participants who are all government. Uh, I think only a few of them are, are not federal government and knowing where they are in their ERM implementation and some of their challenges. So I, you know, it, anyone that's in this enterprise risk or risk management role, like this is a, an amazing opportunity. You get a lot of information. Um, most of the instructors do not come from the federal government, oh, yeah? okay. lens, which is interesting, but the mm-hmm. concepts are still very, very relatable. Right. In, in hand. I mean, it's still ERM, so. Is it, is it called like the CRO program? It or is. Okay, yep, it's it. the yeah. Chief Risk Officer program. Okay. So it's what, four months, four-month program. Um, there are assignments. Like I had to write a paper, <laughs> so I have discussion <laughs> boards. Um, it feels like I'm, I'm – know back in in mba world so i'm yep. like oh man i have homework i had to set calendar <laughs> reminders so 
So I don't forget. I'm telling my daughter, I'm in class. I can't talk to you right mm-hmm. now. But it's it's a great opportunity. I, I really would strongly recommend anyone the next time they, they go around and have the um, scholarship or just the program itself, if they have the funding to participate. Yeah, I think, isn't a firm doing that regularly, yearly? I think it's I annual. It should be annual. annual. Yeah, yeah, I think annual. Yeah. I don't think they'll give me uh, the scholarship again next year. <laughs> if you fail out, you got to go back. <laughs> you, know, you know, I just loved it so much. Yeah. Let's go back. But, yeah. Yeah, uh, and actually we did a podcast on it too, so oh, I, I don't remember what episode, but folks can find it on the website. Oh, nice. But, I'll uh, go check that yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. well, this is great. No, I think, uh, you know, we learned a lot about EPA. You know, yeah. I'm uh, excited to have you all here in person. So, uh, well, I have a question for you guys. Please do. Oh, wow. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was there anything you heard us say about EPA that was like, oh, shocker? <laughs> shocker. I mean, I, I honestly was shocked in how mature your program seems to be. I'm glad you think it's mature. That, that, well, you know, that, you feel feel like, that makes yeah. us feel better. She said the program, not you guys. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, that, that aligns more with our risk assessment. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. yeah I, was, I was just thinking, it sounds like you guys are really doing a great job, and you're really not just focusing on the financial risk. I, I think a lot of folks just focus on the financial. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you really have to look operationally and get that same common language. For everyone, especially yeah. operating out of the CFO's office, yeah. it would be natural to just think, "Oh, finances, right?" It's yeah, king, but. yeah. I, I, and that's what we got on our first, you know, go with this mm-hmm. was a lot of financial. But our FEMFIA packages were giving mm-hmm. us all financial, which I understand. That's but the focus, right? You can't say anymore. We need more money. Um, you know, there has to be more too. We just don't have enough money. Yeah. You know, there has to be more than that. So, you know, it's okay. Well, that's 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 good. I was wondering. I was like, oh, because I think that you said this is the first time for EPA. The first time we talked to EPA. Yeah. I, I, not, like I said before, I mean, the, there's no cheap, there's no CRO. That's that's interesting to me that you still make it work though. But so we do I mean, our best. <laughs> maybe one one of these days you get one of those. It doesn't hurt, right? So yeah, but yeah, that, that was a little different for me. But but yeah, I mean, you guys are sort of tag teaming it, so. Yeah, we are. We are. I mean, Brad and I work together a lot, and I don't know how this was managed before we we came. You have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, um, because we're both newer in our roles. Right. Um, You know, I've been in in this role when risk and program integrity was, I'll say, handed to me, because that makes it sound a lot nicer. Um, (laughs) When it was handed to me for, what, maybe two, two and a half years now it was right after that we received IJA yeah so I mean that that's really what we've been doing and focusing on a lot um so I am very thankful for the team that the other sides of the branch are running so well (laughs) so that we can put so much focus on this yeah Yeah. so speaking of IJA agency I know I was talking to one of the program managers there and he's like do we have to take this, or can we just give it back to Congress? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard folks trying to not use it either. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's it's um, you know what? I think it's challenging for for on our side because we got a lot of grant money. It's challenging for the recipients mm. that have never had government grant money. It is a there are a lot of requirements. There's a lot of information, yeah. and you know if you're working with the smaller disadvantaged communities, having the capacity. Like, that's one of the huge risks that we see come through on the grant side when we do the risk assessments for these new programs, especially under IJ and IRA. It's making sure that, you know, can you apply, like, if you're eligible, and and that they're not lying about it, right? Like, you don't want to say that you have it, and then we come in and do this pre-award kind of certification process, and no, you don't have it because we have to get the funds out. 
by a certain time. Sure. They have yeah. to be awarded by a certain yeah. time. Yeah, it's, it's super challenging for us because the supplementals are far larger than our annual appropriation. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So balancing expectations between your standing staff and the yep. staff you need mm-hmm. for this maybe one-time influx of funds. Right. Yeah. It's really hard to communicate that and build out capacity for it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, Nikki, Brad, I really appreciate y'all coming in, and uh, we learned a lot. And uh, thanks for joining the podcast today. Thanks for having Thank us. you. Thanks for having us. Thank you.